if you ask them now, how, how would you do that without being digitized and with accolade? It's like, wow, well, we can't imagine how we, we would just not be able to be as a business agile enough to deal with certain new trends or, or pressures or something happens in the supply chain, all of, all of a sudden prices go up. How do we, how do we go around that? I mean, you can't afford to be slow. Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sophion Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining me again. Hope you're all having a good week and spring is, is treating you nicely wherever in the world you are. I'm joined today by Peter Leighton. Now, Peter is really leads the Sophion business in what we call EMEA, which is Europe, Middle East, Africa. And he's responsible for the entire operation of Sophion there. But he has a strong background in all sorts of systems. He, was, he worked for Infor, where he was very active in the supply chain business. He worked for other, other companies before that. So he's got a good systems background. And he's also got a strong background in innovation, which we'll talk about in a minute. So, Peter, welcome to the show. Yeah. Hi, Paul. Good to be here. Yeah. And how are you today? I'm really good. Spring is here as well. We yeah. just found some Easter eggs, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> it gives away when we recorded this. Yeah, that's right. And where in the world are you speaking to us from? I'm uh, now in Amsterdam offices. I live in The Hague in the Netherlands, so I'm, I'm based in the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Peter, Abby, you were just sharing with me before we started, you had an opportunity to get your team back together face-to-face -face, live again, as opposed to what's been the, the way of doing business the last couple of years. How was that? What's that like? I think I'm going to have a conflicting statement with what I'm say, going to say later on in this <laughs> call, but there's nothing like, you know, meeting in person. Yeah. <laughs> Digitization is everything. You can't do without it. Yeah. But it's really nice to be in person. So it was super productive, fun to see everybody after more than two years of not seeing anybody. Some people that joined Sofion that had never met me at least face-to-face, -face, maybe one or two colleagues on a client occasion, but uh, finally we are back to life, yeah. yeah. How did you find that, I mean, we've gotten so used to working in the virtual world over, over Teams or Zoom or whatever platforms we use, we've gotten so used to that. And now, I'm just curious, from a whether it's a culture standpoint or just the way the meeting flowed or were you more productive or just how was it different? We've, we've forgotten what those meetings used to be like. I, I don't know. I think, I think you see so much more of people, people's nonverbal communication that there is this sense of let's work at this together instead of maybe an exchange of more superficial opinions. It's, it's almost, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe exaggerating a little bit, but it feels as if you're really on it together, working in a room literally, rather than, yes, you're, you're on Teams and you work for the same company, but the feeling is really like, oh, wow, now we, now we get to the heart of the matter is in some cases, right? Easier to do that. And I think it's, it's because you see more of the, the nonverbal signs as well on, on how people are enthusiastic about something or those kind of things that you, you don't always see as, as clearly with well, this, this was a group of 20 or so, right? So then uh, you don't see 20 cameras when you are looking at a PowerPoint at the same time. Yeah. I tell you, I'm looking forward to the first conference I'll be attending. It's at Copenhagen on a May 10th through 12th, the Innovation Roundtable. 
conference. I'm really looking forward to that. It's been a long time. So. Yeah, people have to get used to then just being without a mouth, mouth mask somewhere. In, in the Netherlands, it's already very liberal. In certain other countries like Spain, you, you're still supposed to wear one. Mm -hmm. So it depends a bit on where you are. Some people were a bit hesitant, like, oh, how many people are we gonna in the, going to go be in a room? And uh, how big is the room? Right. And those are questions that wouldn't have been asked two years ago. Right? Sure, sure. So we'll deal with some of that. Well, Peter, thanks for joining. Really glad you could join us. I'd like to lead off a question I often ask our guests. How did you first get involved in innovation? Yeah, that that was that was a fun. I mean, I'm pretty. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the word loyal, but I I don't I don't change jobs a lot. So I had actually uh, after my academic career, I spent 23 years in supply chain, helping that business to mature from uh, an IT architecture standpoint. I would say that was that was starting to mature a little bit. So it started to be like there's there's quite a few vendors that can do similar enough things. Where I like to be more of a, you know, I think you would like the word to be an evangelist, right? So if there's really something to help companies with that they're not doing already and that not everybody knows about, help people see the light there and, and say, hey, there's a better way to do things. Um, so that that made it for me exciting to move into innovation. I, I had been innovating myself, but in supply chain, that, that was more mature than maybe I liked it to be. Mm. And and there is just the educational aspect of what you're doing to say, hey, guys, have you not thought about doing this in a completely digitized way where people didn't believe that that was maybe even possible, that it wouldn't necessarily relate it 20 years ago or 10 years ago to to innovation, right? A digital world. Maybe it's the background of my, my father being a math teacher, that some something in me wants to teach or wants to explain something or <laughs> do something to the world. So... So that's why I, I like that, and innovation was great. I mean, Sophium being, you know, something that that can deal with any sort of uh, business process. My background in supply chain is that we developed software that could handle any sort of supply chain with any sort of bottlenecks and and model that in our software. Well, very similar type of capability in Accolade, where we're not, you know, tied to any single methodology can handle anything as long as you know what you want we can digitize it right so you could be quite conceptual in what you're digitizing the tool doesn't tell you how to run your business and that was very similar with my background where innovation was always a thing for me and now a combination of beautiful software combined with innovation that's and then maybe not having the world already knowing about all of this was a beautiful combination that tempted me to uh, to go work with Sophia. There we go. Well, if you go back to your supply chain days, you were at the time, I think, digitization and, and optimization of supply chain. That was that was all all brand new, wasn't it? Yeah, I actually started as the first employee together with one other fellow employee for a startup, five people at the time that just had a great uh, university project for a dairy company now part of Danone. And, and they created a piece of software that they then wanted to commercialize. So it was, was hard-baked for that particular plant. And, and the, that project was, okay, how do we now make a modeling environment around it to make it applicable for any sort of batch process industry? And so that startup was, was basically doing supply chain, or let's say factory scheduling for uh, process industry. So dealing with tanks and pipelines as constraints, not just with goods and, and discrete manufacturing units 
we always said you can't stock the, the parts before the dairy machine or the packaging machine. It'll spill over, right? You can't <laughs> yeah. fill a half empty tank again with something else. That's true. So particular type of unique domain expertise. Yeah, so that, that was my, my first non-academic job there. And, and my first innovation there was I was the project manager of a project for, would you believe it, a mushroom cooperative that had the beautiful problem of uh, filling cells to grow mushrooms with the soil itself, the, the topsoil. And then obviously there needed to be one truck with the soil, one with the topsoil, and one with a filling machine that could fill both at one go at the cell, 800 addresses in the Netherlands. The, the topsoil, obviously, you could do a round trip of maybe 20 addresses, and with the soil itself, maybe two or three, depending on the amount. That, that whole thing was, was uh, you know, we thought pretty special yeah. type of supply chain uh, optimization topic. Uh, but then we used that project to create a standard tool that could do just any supply chain, global sourcing, production, inventory, transportation, trade-offs linear programming engines behind it, mixed integer, whatever. So I had the pleasure to lead that project that led to one of, yeah, now Inforce main uh, advanced planning uh, engines and, uh, and applications. Uh, so that, that, was, that was great. That uh, was not only in a startup, but also create, being at the very, very start of a new piece of software that was going to be used by all the brewers, pharmaceutical companies, dairy companies, you name it, around the world push-pull supply chain, so things that are harvested that uh, you can't really influence, you, or the cow doesn't give the milk back is what we, we used to say, right? <laughs> so it comes when it comes, but there's also a demand side that the consumers don't like to be told when to buy something. So there were forces from either end, push and pull. How do you, how do you deal with that in a supply chain that has its limitations and capabilities and costs and, 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 and possibilities? So we, we had the answer to that with uh, a great, great piece of software that could deal with that. And, and, you know, that was the innovation that I was at the very start of being the project manager for that mushroom. <laughs> Sounds like you're never going to forget that one. No, no, no. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm thinking there's so many parallels between what you're talking about, digitizing the supply chain and all the things around and digitizing the innovation management the management of innovation a lot of parallels there aren't there yeah i would say so i mean what i think most of is that even if i go back to the startup days we had this factory scheduling tool and we had this supply chain sourcing tool guess what the startup was acquired by an american company they acquired a, a demand forecasting tool statistics trying to you know find patterns in the demand would be placed upon the supply chain. But then there's other things like at Infor, we, we then had warehouse management, transportation management, supply chain design. It was all point solutions that each did that. And that grew into sales and operations planning and integrated business planning to say, well, how do we now make sense of it along the process from demand to supply, including maybe innovations. This is the first time we got to deal with innovations because an in integrated business planning you're looking ahead three to five years, also factoring in what is the impact of the new products that I'm going to innovate. Now, the supply chain side is just looking into, well, I don't really know when it's going to come to market because I'm not managing all of that. Just give me a moment when it comes and then give me a profile of what, what you think that will sell. But in a way, I've lived that the whole journey from having a series of 
of point solutions from demand to supply to forecasting, whatever, to production scheduling and planning, growing into a single suite of products, just following the business process and being a single source of truth for supply chain data. And that is the, the very similar things obviously we're doing at Sophion is if you, if you look at enterprise innovation management, before we implement our software, typically there's just a bunch of silos of data that have maybe some project planning data, some business case data, maybe some information about what you're actually, some, some knowledge type things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's no single source and we're solving, if you look through your eyelashes, a similar problem, like what's the single system that can deal with all of the innovation related information rather than having to go to a different application for an aspect what we cover. And, and I've done that for supply chain and, and we're, we're already there on, uh, on Sopion, but not many people are using it in that way in the sense that there's, there's, there's probably a majority of people that are still having their SharePoint sites and their MS project plans and, and what have you. Uh, so there's a world to be gained. Yeah. A lot of information scattered across different systems used by different people in different ways. And I, and I know a little bit about your background. I happen to know a little bit about your background, <laughs> uh, Paul. So in a way, not very dissimilar to the, I'm not sure if that's 70s or 80s when people were having separate financial systems, order intake systems, production planning systems, exactly bill right. of material explosions, what have you, into processes like order to cash, procure to pay, and what have you. So the ERP yeah. journey is, is, is a bit earlier, but in that sense, it's, it's doing the same for enterprises management rather than innovation management. Yeah, you bring up a very good point, Peter. You know, the, the, the supply chain systems, the enterprise planning systems, these became, they may have started out as departmental tools, but they really became enterprise backbone tools. You know, you just can't run your business without them. And the management of innovation is such a critical business function. And some companies have realized that and have decided, okay, yes, we need to treat that as an enterprise application on the same level as our as our office systems our email systems our erp systems right we're gonna we're gonna really treat this at that level and others aren't there yet others are still using myriad of different tools different things so let's talk about the the value of of bringing that together into one system what what from your point of view just speak to some of the things you've seen customers and companies gain as a result of, of, of doing such a thing? It's probably best to just use some anecdotal stories from people that tell us how they used to do this. Yeah. Particularly when there's, when there's a little bit of scale to the organization, not so much size of the business in revenue, but many mid-sized companies even are, are pretty much global. So I'm thinking of uh, people that are in maybe the bakery supply business or, or that kind of food business that, or even, even dairy related, right? You can't transport the raw milk for more than 500, well, probably less than 500 miles. Uh, I think about six, 700 kilometers is the max before it basically loses the value because the transportation cost is higher than the milk value. So, so those type of kind of bulky food businesses need to be scattered around the world, local to their clients, otherwise they're killing themselves on transportation costs. But guess what? There is innovation happening at each of those facilities around the world. Guess what? They're gonna do very similar things for those clients. Those clients are gonna have very similar requests. So chances are, and, and that is the anecdotal story, that people are doing three, four, five times the similar innovation because of a 
for them new customer requests that if it's not digitized, you don't know that it's already happened in Latin America and in, in North America and in Europe as well. And now you're getting it in Asia or in Australia. Yeah, so so those kind of things, like if you, so, some people said, one big client of us said, if if we only know, and they use their company name, if, if company X only knows what company X knows, mm-hmm. right? Because there's so much knowledge that is just in people's brains that if it's not digitized, how do you find it? Yeah, so so we've had we've had cases where people in completely different divisions use each other technology, right? So nitrogen injection is 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 a technique that is used by if you, if you I'm not sure if that's the proper English American potato chips in the packaging you put nitrogen to keep that a bit fresher. Well, that's where that uh, company had a, a business unit for packaging, you know, technology. Now they had the same need for aircraft fuel tanks. If somebody would crash, there would not be a combustion, right? So they repurposed that. And then also for automotive uh, tire manufacturing, better temperature resistance if you use nitrogen instead of oxygen. So these companies were too big to just, you know, have, have a coffee together with those very different business units. So they would never know about it unless it was digitized. The the other big one that I, that, that I think is is hitting on another topic is, We've had people that said, yeah, we, we need to do a regular check of our portfolio. And we'd like to do that across everything that we do, maybe different brands, different business units, different geographies. But the issue is everybody is using their own separate tools. So just for us to do a portfolio analysis with all everything going on, with the resourcing and any sort of scrubbing on data, on what do you mean with, with how you call um, a product group is that the same level as our product groups or what have you. In that anecdotal story, it, it was taking more than three months to just get a clean portfolio review done once a year. And three months was actually an underestimate. It was a bit more. So the same company said they were having business units that were in fast-moving consumer goods. So doing the best decision you could possibly do three months late is maybe not the state they wanted to be in. And then spending three months to do the analysis is certainly not something they could afford if they wanted to do it quarterly. So now they do it monthly and the whole portfolio data gets populated for them with a press and a button. It's, it's there, there, right? It's close to real time. And they, may, and they spend the time making the best decision rather than scrubbing data and interpreting it. So it's just, if you ask them now, how, how would you do that without being digitized and with accolade? It's like, well, we can't imagine how we, we would just not be able to be, as a business, agile enough to deal with some new trends or, or pressures or something happens in the supply chain. All of, all of a sudden, prices go up. How do, we, how do we go around that? I mean, you can't afford to be slow in your response to the new threats. Certainly, you know, we, we've had a few nice examples. Well, not so nice, really, but, but for the yeah. story, nice. We had shortages of raw materials because of COVID, you know, the chip shortage in the automotive and other industries, you know, the entire parking lot is full with finished cars. The only thing missing is one chip, right? You can't, you can't ship the finished car or any, any other thing that requires it. Be amazed, obviously, how many products have, have chips in these digitized world. Uh, oil and gas uh, prices, of course, now with the, the, the conflict uh, between Russia and Ukraine. Grain, sun, sunflower oil, battery minerals are all Grain. under pressure. Yeah. Grain, mm-hmm. yeah. So, 
you can obviously say, ah, oh, let's go back to Peter's day, days at supply chain and try to plan a way around it. I say we need to innovate our way around it. We need to be a bit less dependent on where we source this from. And I think we've been maybe too much uh, going at it from a cost side and say, let's let's forget about the risk that we can't get to the uh, the raw materials. And let's just innovate, taking a very global perspective on uh, on supply chains. And And that's also a factor now in innovation that you basically say, okay, do we factor in that we don't maybe want to be too dependent on being able to global uh, globally source materials for maybe a slightly better price? Is it worth it to to go to travel half the world with, with a material if that would make my supply chain less resilient? So it's an innovation aspect as well. It's not just supply chain. You don't you don't have to accept the the boundaries of the product you design. You you're actually at luxury to design a new one with maybe different types of materials or or taking into account the limitations of today's world or tomorrow's world that you'll learn about today. And that brings it back to you need to be responsive. You need to, and you know, without digitizing it and getting a timely trusted data, I would call it, there's just no way you can respond in a competitive fashion uh, in today's world. So it becomes more and more important. Yeah. I'll add a couple onto what you were talking about. I think that, okay, you could try to optimize your existing environment, but your competition could just as easily, as you said, invent something new, a better way, a different way. And then you're, you're really in a world of hurt. So you do have to innovate and innovate might mean new products, might mean new manufacturing processes, might mean new business models, right? There's a lot of opportunity out there that people are going to try different ways to solve some of the constraints, some of the problems we have now that you were, you were talking about chip, chip problem, for example. And, you know, I suppose every 10 years we say to ourselves, it's so fast. It's never been this fast. It's never been this urgent, but, but wow, <laughs> I don't remember ever in my life having so many disruptions, business disruptions, one after another, after another, the Suez Canal, we've got the ports in Los Angeles, we've got the COVID, we, Ukraine, we, it's like, what's next, right? There's so many, they just keep coming. So the pace does feel faster than, than ever before. And so that's why if you're spending three months trying to get your data together so you could try to make a, a business shift and transformation or just understand where you're at, that's just too slow. I would say to that, remember when we had the banking crisis in, what was it, 2008 or roughly? 2008, time, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, look how the world responded. There was a crisis for like quite a few years. There's also obviously, uh, certainly in Europe, very different from how um, the crisis was treated, right? Let's cut the budgets all instead of just, let's keep the economy going. So that certainly had a factor, but it was like lasting quite, quite a, the effects were lasting very, very long. And now I, read uh, last week or, or this weekend you know if, if you are if you're saying that it's okay not to act because you're in a crisis or you just had a crisis or you're just going to have a crisis you can never act because yeah, right. be constant right <laughs> there's never going to be a time that you're not in a crisis just out of it or just before it is it was the statement i read and i said yeah so you have to just get on with your response to the crisis sooner rather than later. You can't just sit still and wait until it's over because the next one will be on the doorstep. Yeah, yeah. And if you can't find your information, which is a common theme I hear, people with file servers and stuff locally and stuff in SharePoint, I can't even find the information. It's just too hard to find it as a single person working in this system, in this, you know, in this business process. It really slows you down. 
Well, you would be able to find it in the, the digitized silo. Exactly. One piece of right. business needs it for that particular aspect. So you'd be able to find the resourcing plan in the MS project that that particular person uses for his project in the portfolio. But how do I now get it for everybody around the world, along with the business case and any other information in a single portfolio review? That's just not going to be possible. I mean, one, one client stood up at one of our user conferences said, okay, the Acolyte project was meant to replace four systems with each of the, each had their own database. Okay, it wasn't very, very harmonized, so that was maybe an effort there. We knew there were a few SharePoint sites, but what we found is that we also replaced more than 500 spreadsheets that people locally use, just maintain data that they couldn't find a placeholder for in the four systems that we replaced or, or the SharePoint site. So it just speaks to nobody at the time in that company had thought through the business process of innovation start to finish and say, where can I, can I have a single system that represents what I need to know about my, my innovation status, right? Of any project or the portfolio of the project and, and help make the decisions and the trade-offs. Uh, so yeah, it, you know, just finding it is easy if you know where to look, but if it's not a single system, you have to look 500 times in, in each spreadsheet to see if you, if it's maybe in that spreadsheet. Right. And it's just the latest one. And, right. and then it doesn't have the same taxonomy, right? So so even if you would then combine the spreadsheets, yeah, but you're having a different concept of, of product group than I do, and, and it doesn't actually translate. So I have to be careful not to draw the wrong conclusions, even if I do a, a simple in, integrated view. So it's better to, to agree on a common set of processes and KPI with some local flavors maybe, and then have this role of completely automated. Yeah, I remember I worked with a company in the Pacific Northwest and working with them on their part of their innovation process. And it was just amazing. The same, the same product name, it's a product that's in development, was called something slightly different in whatever system you went to. And one of the problems was, as they went along, they changed the name. Well, the name moving, you know, we call it product X. Now, from now on, that's a bad name. It doesn't really reflect what it is. We're going to call it product Y. And, but half the data is still labeled as product X. And, and now you can't find anything, right? Because it's all, it's all even just has a different name. And the, the, the challenges that companies have, so now we've already discussed this challenging world with constant changes and you, you need to respond to it. So even the biggest companies in the world have limitations on how many people and what budgets they have, so they have to make trade-offs. So what's, if you can't just have a responsible report from what is the current state, then you can forget about looking forward into the future. And what do you really need to make the best decisions is to say, okay, what if I would approve this set of projects, what would be the results and outcomes and the resource needs? So often now people are just not seeing maybe some bottlenecks of resources that are going to be happening in the future because they have no way to digitize the resource need into the future. They can see it from the past, maybe with some work, but they can't predict it into the future. So what Accolade obviously also is helping is, well, if you do this set of projects, it will actually give you this combined revenue and profit and what have you, but also it will it'll have these resource needs and budget needs, and it will score into these strategic areas for you the way that you maybe plan to or not. Well, Peter, you know, a lot of us are sitting here probably nodding our heads saying, yeah, I understand that. I've got, I've got multiple systems. I have these challenges. What, what advice would you give somebody as to, to how to get started? Or what to do with the situation, right? Here I am, and 
where do I go from here? <laughs> yeah, I'd say for, for the ones that like alliteration, if that translates in, into English, it's not my native language. That'll anymore. work, yeah. I would say digitize or die. I just don't believe that in a competitive world where, where the best you know companies are doing what we're just discussing, you can't accept a substandard performance because of your decision-making not being as sharp as it could be. So I would say, you know, in my, in my, uh, if I, if I go to my, my teaching uh, ambition is I'd like to make people understand that a, what is there to gain and how much easier life is going to be and how much sharper your decision-making is going to be so that you could, you could squeeze more out of your current budgets and, and workforce do more with less or with the same and you can make it super sharp to the strategy that you're doing and also to to deal with the competitive threats and the supply chain threats and and the crisis situations and the change of your consumer behavior and god knows what's going to happen but you can't afford to be slow and not sharp on your decisions on how to deal with that others are doing a better job than you if you're not being digitized that's that's a fact People are ahead of you if you're not digitized. Peter, I got one last question to ask you. You were recently featured on Dutch television. So if people speak uh, Dutch, they can go watch it. But just briefly, what did you talk about on that show? What was the conversation about? Yeah, that was fun to do. Yeah, that was uh, that was just broadcasted and, and repeated a few times. It was on uh, RTL Z, a business television program in the Netherlands. There are subtitles available if you don't speak Dutch. But we were, uh, we were together with our client, Alang Seo, we were explaining, yeah, what we're doing for companies in a, in a nutshell was a couple of minutes only, right? And, and then we, we, we explained it from the Sofilm perspective in a, in a generic way. Basically, uh, some of it I covered uh, in this uh, podcast. But then also a client said, okay, they're in synthetic rubbers. What they are doing in innovation to to basically then give a few examples of the innovations that they're having and the portfolio challenges they're having and, and adding that perspective. And obviously it was television. So even though we have really, really nice offices here in Amsterdam, we thought it was fun to watch some moving test equipment to test rubbers and shake them around and <laughs> things like that. So it's if you can find it, uh, then how it's done is the program's name. You'll see some nice footage as well in the in, in the video. Yeah, we'll put a link for that in 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 the show notes so people can go uh, take a listen. I'm glad to hear that there are subtitles because that's that's important. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Peter. Well, hey, I really enjoyed this. Thanks for stopping by to have a chat with me. And any any final comments you want to make before we uh, we sign off? Yeah, I would say uh, I'm always happy to uh, to try and project forward what we could mean uh, for uh, for you so don't hesitate to reach out on linkedin i'm sure paul will make sure you know how to find me to see what what journey we could help you along and personally always um, i'm looking for ways to improve things and see how that would project into also the results for your company right so that that's that's going to be the basis of of any project we ever engage with that should be valuable for the clients on the receiving end yeah peter thanks and i i know you and i know you like to talk about envisioning you like to envision the future with with other people with other companies whether it whether it leads to a business or not i know that's something you really enjoy is is sharing your expertise your experiences learning from others teaching others it's a 
you do that very well. So I do encourage people if they're anywhere in the European region or even even beyond there, reach out to Peter if you just want to talk about some of these concepts. I think you'll find that fun. Peter, have a great rest of your week this week, and I know I'll be seeing you soon. So Thanks for having me on the show, Paul. I uh, appreciate the invitation. And And for all the listeners, thank you for joining. We do this for you and hope you enjoy it. If you have suggestions of things you'd like us to, to talk about or guests you'd like us to try to bring on the show, reach out to us. In the show notes, there'll be links where you can reach us. Other than that, I wish you all a great week ahead and take care, everybody. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.